Big Red Bench. Saturday and Sunday from 6 p.m. Cork's Red FM. You're very welcome along to the Big Red Bench this Saturday. What a day for Rockmount and for Cork Soccer. They've done the double. They've back-to-back FEI Intermediate Cup champions. We've Dylan O'Connell on the line as well as manager Eddie Kennelly to reflect on that historic achievement in Sligo. We round up all the results in the various championships, football and hurling, and of course Premier League action to look at also. It's currently Manchester United nil, Brighton nil, uh, with about 68 minutes gone in the FA Cup semi-final at Wembley. Later we'll hear from Cork under-20 football boss Bobby O'Dwyer on tomorrow's Munster final versus Kerry. We're going to talk Kinsale Sevens and an NFL draft preview with Colm Cronin of the Irish NFL show. That's all coming up between here and seven. It's Aidan here with you until 7 o'clock on the big red bench here on Cork's Red FM 0868104106 if you want to get in touch at Big Red Bench on Twitter. Also, uh, quite a lot going on today. It's uh, You really know it's the start of the summer and the start of that that GA season, the inter-county season. So much action going on today. Plenty of action in the Leinster Championship and Connacht and, of course, the Munster Hurling Championship as well, which we will look at. We'll start off with uh, the football and the Premier League, Newcastle thrashing Tottenham 6-1 after they were 5-0 up inside 21 minutes at St. James's Park. It really, as far as Tottenham collapses go, this is right, and they've had plenty of them. This, this is right up there. It moves Newcastle up to third, uh, keeping Eddie Howe's side on course of Champions League qualification. Spurs now six points adrift of Champions League spots in fifth. Here is Stephen Goldsmith. Yeah, you have to wonder as well now for Christian Cellini. Um, he's in there as caretaker. Obviously, he was Antonio Conte's assistant manager. He stayed on after Antonio Conte departed. What does he do now? Like, if I was him, I'd leave. What are you supposed to say to the dressing room after that? Um, that's that is a shocking defeat. Like as bad as Tottenham have suffered, and they've suffered a lot of bad defeats in their history in in the last fifteen years alone. But six one five nil left twenty one minutes. That is poor. Um, and obviously, like it, it's just one of those seasons where there's been a lot of those results. You think of those United results, seven nil against Liverpool, four one against Brentford. Even um, there's just been a lot of thrashings. It's just the way it goes. And um, I think that's just everything Tottenham. That was a culmination of everything that's been going wrong at Tottenham, I suppose, all season. Um, West Ham thumped fellow strugglers Bournemouth 4-0 to move six points clear of the relegation zone. Uh, Their hosts remain five points ahead of the bottom three. Amazingly, Bournemouth were written off um, and and went on a small bit of a run. It just shows how tight things are. Uh, They're still not in bad shape after losing 4-0. David Moyes must be delighted. He's qualified for a European semi-final and had a massive victory in the Premier League in their fight for survival. Now, he mightn't last past the summer, but at least uh, he won't be disgraced and won't be sacked. And uh, kind of happy for him as well. Uh, I didn't really mind. Uh, well, I say that now in hindsight, but uh, I was only 13 when he was manager of United as well. Uh, but I, I, I did feel sorry for him in the years after that. It's nice to see him doing well and uh, beating the critics as well. He was reported to be sacked on the, on the front pages or the back pages shall we say uh, a couple of weeks ago so it's nice to see him have a bit of redemption here's Peter Hood Bournemouth nil, West Ham 4 a clinical display from the visitors set on their way 
early on when Antonio Heda from the first corner went in there was no looking back for the Hammers but Keta with a magnificent header to make it 2-0 and Rice drilling in a third before half time the game was over they had plenty of possession Bournemouth but they couldn't find a way through a resilient defence and goals came in the second half from Pablo Fornells with an absolutely spectacular overhead kick he somehow managed to get the ball in from Bowen's cross and the game was won and dusted Bournemouth nil, West Ham 4 Tell you what, Victor Lindelof has just put in an unbelievable tackle on Danny Welbeck to snuff out a chance for Brighton. Brilliant touch by by Lindelof to take the ball away from Welbeck. Welbeck followed through on uh, Lindelof and he's actually come off the worst of it as uh, Danny Welbeck. Um, but uh, braced up by, Vi- by Victor Lindelof, obviously absolute disaster and embarrassment during the week for United in the Europa League. Honestly, that is among the worst I've seen also for United. Um, and Harry Maguire not playing, Luke Shaw parachuted back into the squad, obviously played uh, 45 minutes in Seville. Uh, into the squad in centre half just shows that Ten Hag really is done with with Maguire now, and uh, you, you suspect as well, even though he's played quite well here today, uh, De Gea maybe not with his feet, but uh, you suspect De Gea might be on the way out as well in the summer. I don't think uh, the performance Thursday night is going to do much for his contract renewal situation, even though he'd done so well recently, and it just it couldn't have gone worse. Last Thursday, uh, still nil nil. Seventy-four minutes gone. Will we have another penalty shootout at Wembley? Well, we had one today at the showgrounds in Sligo after a breathtaking shootout. Rockmount retained the FAI Intermediate Cup. I was watching it on the stream. It was a brilliant penalty shootout. Everything you wanted a penalty shootout. You thought one side was going to win at one stage, then it was the other side. Uh, Rockmount almost—they came from behind in that penalty shootout. If if you get what I mean, Cockle had it at their. At their peril, it was advantage Cockhill Celtic and just um, a big save by Brendan O'Connell in the Rockmount goal, first of all. That was followed by another miss, actually, by Rockmount and he thought, just as it was turning, next thing, Cockhill fired over the crossbar, Rockmount score it, uh, score their next penalty and then Cockhill, uh, the next Cockhill United penalty, uh, or Cockhill Celtic penalty, was uh, blasted against the crossbar and over for Rockmount to claim a fantastic victory 4-3 it ended on spot kicks it was 1-0 um, after f- uh, full time man of the match on the day was Danny Ahern and uh, we're going to hear first of all from the Rockmont manager speaking to Dylan O'Connell here's Eddie Kennedy well Eddie uh, t- t- tense afternoon how do you sum it up I look close my heart attack the only one to face <laughs> you um, it's probably hard to kind of take him out one after doing really uh, Looks a phenomenal effort from the club, from the players, the supporters, and way out of fairness. It's not easy for people to come up the road, you know, or to come up the road, should they say, go to Sligo on the weekend and give up their time. Once again, the lads dug deep, do you know what I mean? There's no one else you want in the trenches, no, which are huge, like 33, 34 of us, and then the top of the comedy, like, but the lads, in fairness, dug in. Went easy, wasn't pretty, but finds are on your boat. You, you really did dig in as well, Cockle were so up for it, so like, I suppose it was could have went anywhere really, one stage. Yeah, usually, like, I thought we started very good, top first 10, 15 minutes, we really, but I wanted us to be the use of experience of being in a final before and a few hours cocky in the screw and stopped us from playing really do you know maybe that was their game I don't know but they done well they're in the middle of the park there uh, the 16 and the 8 you just seem to get on the last second half with a few choice boards and half time and that was your third penalty shooter as well of the season and a uh, third one you win as well it's, it's good going for you yeah 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 the films the head probably makes us more easier when said asking for this hand up and you're back in action now Thursday night in the King Cup but I suppose that's Thursday's problem that's Thursday Thursday, Saturday Tuesday Thursday, Saturday I'm sure best luck with it congratulations appreciate it alright Dylan O'Connell is on the line now at, uh, at the showgrounds where Rockmount have retained the FEI Intermediate Cup after an enthralling penalty shootout it finished one all after full time Dylan talk to me about that penalty shootout what drama yeah Incredible drama. Uh, even just go back to the, uh, the first kick of the game. 
uh, Rocco won a free kick, Owen Murphy kind of chipped it into the area, and then Adam Crowley stabbed that home, made it 1 0 Rockmount. And you think of the team of Rockmount's pedigree that, you know, the game was won there. But Cockle immediately pushed up, won a penalty, and leave the Culligan tucked this away. The rest of the game was just tense. Like, and it was just, it was end to end. Then Cockle brought on Stephen Duffy, who's probably best remembered in Cork football circles for his brother, who missed a penalty against Cork City in the 2017 FAI Cup final. Uh, Michael Duffy, he came on, he decided netting, and then the shootout, Or Murphy missed for Rockmount, and it was advantage. Cockhill then went about the sudden death. They, had, they could have won us, Cockhill. They blazed the penalty over the bar, then Rockmount missed, and then Cockhill missed again. So it ended up being Key Murphy who had the winning penalty for Rockmount, and that retains and keeps the FBA's media cup in the North South City for the first time in its history. Yeah, it was. It really was incredible. Cockhill brought an unbelievable support to the showgrounds. Like Rockmount, really were up against it in terms of atmosphere. Unbelievable support there for Cockhill. Yeah, like sure, it's only never done the north with them. Really, like I was talking to you, the supporters, like kind of their travelling media, and they're like, should they be home in an hour? And like, when would you get back to Cork? And then, and I'm like, sure, one o'clock in the morning. But like for them, like they brought a huge crowd though. But it was like they were trying to become the first crowd in Donegal to win the FA Cup since Fonage United in 1995. So there was a huge, and it was the first final as well. So it was a huge day out for them and everyone up in Bodgrana. I don't think there was anyone actually left up there. Yeah, really. Like the stand was full, the green and white, the 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 Celtic colours. I suppose the traditional Celtic colours were were there in show. Obviously, big links between the county and Celtic. Um, but yeah, incredible for Rockmount to go and to achieve that back to back in the face of that, and it's an incredible achievement. Dylan, just put that achievement in perspective. Uh, in perspective for us, it really is amazing for Rockmount. Yeah, it's outstanding. And like I suppose, if you look at us, Eddie Kenny took the ball for the start of last season, and Rockmount hasn't won the FCI Media Cup since 2008, I think, off the top of my head, and they achieved their first one in 2000. So like. They don't have a long history in the competition with respect, and now they retained it for the first time ever. And like the last team from the last team ever to retain it was the great Avondale United teams of about ten years ago, which kind of shows how hard of a thing this is to do. And like I was talking to Eddie Kenny the full time whistle, and my boards being the echo later on this evening probably or on online, and he was genuinely emotional talking to me over how much this meant to him and everyone connected with the club. Yeah, incredible stuff, really. Massive day for Cork Soccer, for Rockmount, uh, for everyone involved there. Congrats to them. Dylan, uh, amazing day to be there, I suppose, for yourself to be a part of as well, I imagine. Uh, really exciting uh, to, to cover that 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 high profile uh, or a high intensity uh, final as well uh, for, for an in- FAI Intermediate Cup final, which probably doesn't get the, the credit it deserves. It, it was uh, incredible drama and a great day to be there. Yeah, um, I suppose as, as someone from Cork, I was thinking of rock mode, but like, because uh, you know, I love good Cork, local Cork stories, and they're great stories on the club. They have great players. Brendan O'Connell, I spoke to him and interviewed him before for the Echo. He's a lovely man. The same with the, the Murphys. Uh, they're such a lovely team, and it was great to see them get it over the line because, again, it's just a good Cork soccer story. Absolutely. Well, Dylan O'Connell, thanks a minute for joining us on the big red bench, and uh, safe home out of Sligo. Oh, thank you very much. Yeah, excellent stuff there. Dylan O'Connell uh, from the showgrounds in Sligo, where Rockmount retained the FEI Intermediate Cup. All right, 81 minutes gone. We could have more extra time here at Wembley. It's Manchester United nil, Brighton nil. Um, nobody really forging away at the moment. It's uh, fairly, fairly loose in midfield. Um, and to be honest with you, I'm a small bit nervous here. <laughs> Brighton are going to nick something. Um, that would be great. No, I suppose it's a pity that Sheffield couldn't upset the apple cart yesterday against Man City. Uh, chance here. Solly Marsh cutting in. David De Gea with a great save there. Followed through as well. Um, yeah, that was a big chance for Brighton. That's the first chance really in the last uh, 10 minutes or so for either team. Uh, good save by De Gea. Uh, all right, let's look at uh, Gaelic Games and plenty of championship action today. Galway through to the Connacht Football Final. They defeated Roscommon 113-19 to at Dr Hyde Park. The tribesmen will face Sligo in the decider on Sunday, May the 7th. Of course, Sligo ending that uh, that fairy tale for New York. Um I didn't mean that honestly I did not mean that in that way but anyway it came out that way it sounded quite good Roscommon now entered the All-Ireland series as third seeds let's get a full-time report 
uh, from the goal of the Roscommon game here is Tommy Rooney It is full time in Dr Hyde Park and Galway have beaten Roscommon by 4 points on a scoreline of 113-19 to in this Connacht semi-final Galway who led by 5 points a minute into the second half withstood a brilliant Roscommon revival and recovered once they went to point down to kick on in the last 15 minutes Damien Comer was on fire starting with 1-4 from play and John Maher produced a brilliant performance man-marking Enda Smith and kicking 2 points himself Having not scored from play in the first half Roscommon were a different team after the break they scored 1-3 on the bounce as Kieran Murtha finished a brilliant move in the 42nd minute to send them ahead Galway eventually settled as Matthew Tierney stood up to kick two fine points before Damien Comer reacted first to a ball off the post to finish to the net Galway will go on to play Sligo in the Connacht final on Sunday May 7th as Roscommon entered the All-Ireland series as third seeds full time in Dr Hyde Park Galway have beaten Roscommon by 113-19 to yeah, elsewhere in Ulster, down progress to the semi-final there after 2-13 to 1-11 win over Donegal in Newry, which is a massive win for down. It is a shock, but it's not a massive shock considering the state Donegal GA is in at the moment. Uh, in Leinster, Louth came from behind to beat Westmead 2-10 to 1-11. Uh, in their football championship quarterfinal at Park Telchin. Kildare are through to the Leinster semi-final in Croke Park next Sunday after seeing off Wicklow 117-10 to 10 points at Cullen Park. Dublin also progress after trouncing Leash at Ormore Park. Four goals, 30 points to 2-9. Yeah, Ooh, that's a big one. Uh, Offaly got the better of Meath and Tullamore. This is a bit of a disaster for Cullamore Ork, isn't it? Offaly beating Meath and Tullamore 110 to 8 points. Not a good start um, in Cullamore Ork's first ever championship match as Meath manager. And I would say they're very likely now to be um, put into put into the Telchin Cup if I'm not mistaken I, I should have probably read that before I came on air and also it could have a bit of uh, a bit of a bearing on, on Cork standing as well um, so I might have a quick check uh, of that uh, as we hear uh, some of the audio uh, let's hear first of all the full time report from uh, Limerick and Waterford of course 40 man Limerick uh, coming out on top against Waterford 118 to 19 points at the Mustard Senior Hurling Championship clash at Simple Stadium red card for uh, red card for Garot Hegarty and the Waterford doctor. Uh, I suppose everybody expected somebody to be sent off that Waterford sideline. Mightn't have been the doctor. I think people might have been expecting uh, Davy to have seen red at some stage. Here's Cahill Minogue. Full time here in Semple Stadium, and it is Limerick that have beaten Waterford by two points on a scoreline of 118 to 19 points. A game that really shot to life in the second half. It was Limerick who went in ahead by four points at the break. However, it was Waterford who started the second half much the better. The two biggest talking points of the game came within seconds of each other when Limerick were first awarded a penalty after 44 minutes of play, which was brilliantly saved by Billy Nolan, who had a fantastic game between the posts. Everything got heated soon after that when Limerick forward Road Hegarty was sent off after receiving his second yellow card and a member of the Waterford backroom team was also shown a red card for getting involved in the altercation. It was a game with a lot of talking points and it certainly had that championship feeling but Limerick really showed why they are the best team in the country at the moment keeping Waterford at bay even when they went down to 14 men. If this is what we can expect throughout the rest of this Munster Championship then we really are in for a treat but it is the reigning All-Ireland Champions Limerick that have survived this brilliant effort from a very brave Waterford team. Full-time score here in Semple Stadium. It is Limerick, 118. Waterford, 19 points. And it was a five-point game. Cusick Park and Ennis' Tipperary came out on top against Clare. 5-22 to 3-23 high scoring. Yet we had to watch Galway and Roscommon on TV instead. Uh, I would much rather have seen Tipperary versus Clare on RT. Um, but anyway, that's just the way it, it goes, I suppose. I've just seen Anto Freel tweet here, okay? Um, if as Manchester United have a chance there it goes over the bar if Derry beat Monaghan Offaly beat Louth and Down beat Armagh Meath, Kildare and Cork will not be in the Sam Maguire round robin now Anto Freel has tweeted that that is as close to confirmation as I can get on the current standings of the Talchin Cup Sam Maguire so basically Cork need Monaghan to beat Derry and uh, Cork also need Louth to beat Offaly um which is about as good as I can put it they, they, Armagh beating down would also do them a big favour uh, so all of those things uh, if, if I suppose the favourites win their games in those uh, provincial semi-finals then uh, Cork will be okay 
but it's it's squeaky bum time. Um, let's hear about uh, Cork's under twenty uh, Munster football final tomorrow evening, though. Uh, Kerry coming to Parky Cueve. Uh, here I spoke to the Cork under twenty football boss Bobby O'Dwyer on Friday ahead of the decider. All right, Bobby O'Dwyer is on the line ahead of Cork versus Kerry in the Munster under twenty football final on Monday. Bobby, I hope all is well. Thanks for joining us. Thanks, Aidan. All good. Yeah, all good and all looking forward to Monday night in Parky Cueve. Yeah, an exciting weekend, I imagine, and itching to go for Monday night. Yeah, it's a look, it's exciting times. It's what footballers and football management, what we all look for is championship. And what what better night than to be playing Kerry down in in in, in Parky Creeve? An emphatic win over Limerick uh, last week, of course, which you might touch on a little bit later on. Overall, how has the season been going for you so far? Yeah, it's well. Look, the season the season is relatively short, Aidan, because uh, you 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 actually can't start playing football uh, as in intercounty matches until after February or until February time. So you've got February, March, and uh, part of April. And then your championships are bang, bang, bang. So it's a relatively short season. Uh, would have been hit a good bit by injuries earlier on the year. We'd have a lot of lads playing with the, with their universities and with colleges and things like that. But fantastic. We've got quite a lot of them back now over the last couple of weeks. And it's just brilliant coming into championship. We've got uh, most of the guys back. And so it's onwards and upwards from here. Yeah, it is, it is difficult, I suppose, for these players at this age group. They're juggling so much. Has things kind of settled down for them now in this maybe past four or five weeks compared to, to earlier on in the year? Ah, uh, yeah, ab- absolutely. Uh, like the 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 we've had, I think it was off the top of my head. I think we had thirteen lads involved with UCC, and we had about ten lads involved with MTU in various freshers and Sigerson uh, competitions, uh, and obviously hurling competitions uh, as well. And then we had a few guys involved with second level schools that got to football and hurling, Munster uh, colleges finals and All Ireland semi finals and finals. So a lot of them would have been playing probably up till the middle of of March. So th- there's a lot of that that going on in the background. So you don't get a, a kind of a, a fixed unit of, of of players until about the last four or five weeks. But look, no complaints. We have everybody that we have now, and uh, we're, we're we're looking forward to our games at the weekend. Yeah, and it's certainly coming uh, together nicely. Furry scored two fourteen the last day against Limerick, and I suppose what was most impressive was actually how evenly that the scores were spread across eight players. I think. Yeah, very pleased with that, Aidan. Like last last year, as in twenty twenty two, with a with a very good team, and we were just scourged with with, with injuries, and uh, consequently our scoring was down to a couple of players. Whereas this year, this year now we have a much more even spread of players, and and that's I suppose harder to defend against because. You're going to have specified markers taking out one or two of your top players, and then it's just very pleasing that the the, the next guy up and he's going to do his do his share of scoring. So yeah, very pleasing. And then obviously it's the scorer scores, but he has to be played in by somebody else. And there was eight different uh, eight different other guys uh, were playing in those lads as well. So you know it, it, it's very pleasing to be creating the, the 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 opportunities and to be converting the opportunities. You got to do that if you if you're going to win. Kerry had a very different uh, day out against uh, Clare in their semi-final and I suppose they were they were tested a lot especially the last line of defence where you know they, they didn't really pass a lot of the tests uh, some of the times and Clare ran in I think four goals altogether and went extra time Is it, have you looked at that and will he target that sort of that difficulties they seem to have in the last line of defence last Monday? Ah yeah, look, we'll we, we'll we'll be we'll be looking at their game. We'll be looking at the videos, and we'll be just trying to see where we think we can get uh, advantages or opportunities. No more than the same. Kerry will be doing the same thing with us. I guess one of the things being road tested like that is that where you do make mistakes in a game, the the the, the players and the management will get together the next training night, and you'll sort out those those difficulties fairly quickly. So every every game takes on a life of its own. Yes, wherever we can take an advantage, we'll be looking for it. Uh, as I say, no more than Kerry will be trying to take advantage of where they perceive uh, their, their opportunities will be with us. But uh, we'll 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 road check them all right on on Monday night and see where we're going. Overall, then I suppose a monster final in Parky Cueve against Kerry. You won't have to do too much motivating. No, it's it, it, it's fantastic for both teams. Look, uh, both counties uh, neighbours. There's always good competitive edge and a good competitive rivalry. Most of the guys know each other from going to college. A lot of the a lot of the the, the 
Kerry lads and the Cork lads playing together in UCC and MTU lots of more, a few more lads up in UL so they, they all know each other they've, they've played with each other and they've played against each other so it will be competitive and then when the game is over we'll all we'll all, we'll all, we'll all get on with, with where we're going after that Well Bobby O'Dwyer we wish you the very best of luck from all here in Red FM on the Bigger Bench on Monday night thanks a minute for joining us on the show Thanks Aidan yeah, that looks like being a very good game tomorrow evening at Parky Cueve between Kerry and Cork. Cork and Kerry, should I say, in the uh, Munster Under-20 football final. The very best of luck. Uh, now, we recently wrapped up our Hear Me Roar series where Valerie Mulcahy interviewed six inspiring sportswomen from Cork or who had a special connection to Cork. The project was funded by the Broadcasting Authority of Ireland with the television licence fee. Uh, so in case you missed them, we've put them all online. All the episodes are now available on online go to redfm.e forward slash hear me roar and over the next few shows we're going to play some excerpts from the series uh, in this excerpt Valerie talks to Irish Olympian Sinead Puspior about how a wrong turn reignited her passion for rowing Hear Me Roar with Valerie Mulcahy is funded by the Broadcasting Authority of Ireland with the television licence fee I was really interested when I was reading about how you almost happened upon rowing again when you came to Ireland it was pure by chance it really was um, when we moved 2006 we actually only planned to move here for a year uh, just I don't know learn the language no experience yeah. what it is to live in a different country and and then obviously earn a bit of money and then move back because we were just married uh, young family no kids yet yeah. um, so that was the plan and it kind of all went to bust fairly quickly because <laughs> the first week we moved to Ireland and we discovered that we were expecting a baby so and that was like the big decision okay well do we stay do we go back because like I mean I haven't worked here so I have no maternity benefits nothing so it was kind of we still decided to stay and take on a challenge having no grandparents around the corner to help us so yes. we kind of we knew we were going to be on our own but we're quite like independent anyway yeah. like we're independent people and we kind of didn't think we need any help. Oh, good boy, but we were wrong. <laughs> uh, no, it was it was a nice challenge. I'm quite proud that we kind of got through it together, just two of us. So, um, did it take that long till 2011 or 2010 before you got the citizenship? Was it was that? Uh, or was it more you thinking of whether we should stay or go home? Yeah, if not for rowing, I probably would never applied for citizenship because, like, you're European citizen anyway, so you yeah. can travel freely anywhere you want in Europe. But, um, yeah, it was 2011, I think, just before we went to the World Championships. Like, the deadline was quite close. <laughs> and you had to have... Did you have to have Irish citizenship yeah, to yeah. race for Ireland? It couldn't have been... At the World Championships, yes, It couldn't have been the case yeah. of living here for so long, no? Uh, yeah, well, I lived just enough. I lived my five years and then so you that allowed apply. you to just yeah. I think I could, I could only apply in April or March but it takes so much longer to get the paperwork done so yeah. I think there were good people helping out to kind of push the right buttons to get it Aren't sorted a little bit sooner <laughs> yeah I know <laughs> Sunita had actually stopped rowing before she moved to Ireland content with her achievements in the sport up to then and happy to move on with her new life in her adopted home but a wrong turn on a trip to Dublin Zoo changed Sunita's destiny. Oh yeah, so we moved to Ireland, so I stopped before that because uh, I just thought, like, sure, I got my all, I got my medal at on 23s uh, for Latvia and I got my, we won the student uh, university championships I meant in to 2004. Ask you that. I'll talk to you about that in a while, yeah. Okay, and, uh, and I thought, like, well, I suppose I reached my potential here, so I'll just focus on family now and was just just in love and, you know, and just focusing on, on the things like work, those all those exciting things that you do <laughs> and um, spending our weekends together and stuff. Uh, yeah, so rowing wasn't, didn't really ever think about going back to rowing again. Yes. I just didn't think there was anything else for me and in Latvia I feel I wasn't good enough to make transition to senior level and once you're not good enough you just lose all the support and then oh, really? it's not very popular sport as well so it's kind of hard to Is there less funding? Oh yeah, there's. if you can't perform you have no funding basically okay. so kind of underage I was good enough yeah it really is underage I was kind of good enough to get some funding uh, but then in senior level it just wasn't fast enough and, and that's like, it, you no. have to work basically you have no way around because yeah. parents can't support like in Latvia 
you won't see many parents supporting their kids at yeah. age of 20 so it's yeah. like once you're 18 get out of the house quite so different to Ireland <laughs> a little bit yeah. Yeah. Um, so you came to Ireland you took a wrong turn in Dublin uh, yeah so I re- we already had Patrick then and I was pregnant with Daniela when we the same friend that's visiting me now so we went to the zoo and we took the wrong turn well, actually, might have been a different friend. Sorry. It's okay. Yeah. <laughs> we, we can thank her. Uh, so when we went, we decided to go to the zoo and we missed the turn to Phoenix Park and we went straight to Island Bridge and I was like, hang on a second, there's lots of boats in the water. What, what is this? Yeah. And uh, just, and then we figured out that one of the Casper's colleagues at the airport, his son was rowing in commercial. So we got a contact and once, after about four months when Daniela was born and we yeah. were in the club and, and that was it amazing uh, it? yeah yeah. do you think you would have thought about it at no. all had you not seen it no I don't think it would ever cross my mind to go back rowing never I'd say yeah it was just a spontaneous oh we're going to come back here once the baby's born and we did and uh, then it kind of escalated fairly quickly after that Hear Me Roar with Valerie Mulcahy is funded by the Broadcasting Authority of Ireland with the television licence fee Incredible stuff there Sunita Puspure talking to Valerie Mulcahy on Hear Me Roar to catch up on all of them it's redfm.e forward slash hear me roar it's gone to extra time at Wembley it's Brighton nil Manchester United nil we'll keep keep an eye on that we're also going to talk Kinsale 7s and American football with Colm Cronin after the break The Big Red Bench Saturday and Sunday from 6pm If you're on the lookout for sun-soaked beaches, vibrant cities, or a quick weekend getaway, check out our destinations on CorkAirport.com. Cork Airport. Love taking off. Transform your outdoor space this spring with Harvey Norman. Shop our gorgeous collection of outdoor furniture in stock now and ready for immediate delivery. Enjoy lazy brunches with our weather-resistant outdoor dining furniture or lounge with family and friends on our cosy outdoor sofas and chairs. Perfect for gardens, patios or decking. Our range starts from as little as €199. Plus up to 36 months interest-free finance is available. So why wait? Harvey Norman, your outdoor furniture specialist. Pups in the Park, brought to you by Leader Dog Food, returns to Marley Park, Dublin, this April 22nd and 23rd, and new for 2023. The Cork Showgrounds, April 29th and 30th, an action-packed day out with doggy demonstrations, talks from pet experts, and paws on classes with top dog trainers. Have a go at the hay bale race, agility course, and lots more. You'd be barking mad to miss it. Book now. Tickets are on sale at pupsinthepark.ie. Wake up to Red Breakfast with Kira, Laura, and Rob Heffernan. Get it in your gob, Rob. What does it taste like? Oh, better than any Holy Communion. I had the Master Bishop John before. Savage, <laughs> lad. Is it boring, Rob? Is it the meat as a donut is boring? It's meat as a donut. Red Breakfast with Rob, Kira, and Laura. Weekdays from 6 a.m. With My Expressway. Travel with Expressway from Cork to major towns and cities. Take it easy and visit expressway.ie today. Miss the show? Grab the Big Red Bench podcast at redfm.ie. The Big Red Bench. You're very welcome back to the Big Red Bench here on Cork's Red FM. It's Aidan Lee with you until 7 o'clock. Uh, extra time underway at Wembley. Brighton nil, Manchester United nil in the FA Cup semi-final. Uh, two and a half minutes gone there in the first period. Um, snooker ongoing, of course, as well in the World Championships. John Higgins leading Kern Wilson, 8 frames to nil. Anthony McGill, 10-5 up and Jack Lizowski. That's a big comeback for Jack Lizowski. I think it was 10-1 on one stage. And uh, Mark Selby leading Gary Wilson, 8-6. Uh, one of the biggest Rugby Sevens tournaments in Europe returns to Cork next week after an absence of three years. The Heineken Kinsale Sevens is back. Rory has been speaking to tournament director Tomas O'Brien about the return of of the event and what people can expect over two days in a hopefully sunny Kinsale. And uh, the same, <laughs> I've been cut out again two weeks in a row. Uh, I'm going to run in and get that file. 
before we hear about the Kinsale Sevens, we're going to talk NFL. I caught up with Colm Cronin of the Irish NFL Show. Colm Cronin, of course, uh, one of our own here in Cork. And the Irish NFL Show is a really good listen. They have some fantastic guests. The NFL Draft is Thursday. Plenty of off-season stories as well to get your teeth into. Uh, Spoke to Colm about all of that and, of course, the draft. All right, the NFL Draft is coming up next Thursday. There's plenty of other stories across the league also to keep an eye on to look into all of this. I'm delighted to be joined by Colm Cronin of the Irish NFL Show. Colm, hope you're keeping well. Yeah, all good, Aidan. It's been an interesting couple of weeks in the NFL and uh, looking forward to discussing some of the, the big stories. And of course, we're less than a week to go to the draft. Looking in, Look forward to digging into that as well. Absolutely. Yeah. Before we look at the draft, as you said, plenty of interesting deals going on. We have a, a new record contract, don't we? We we do. Uh, what's interesting, I suppose, is the way in which it's structured. But we're talking, of course, about the Eagles giving Jalen Hurts a new contract and Howie Roseman, their GM, is getting the laurels this week because of the way in which it has been done. Jalen Hurts had a breakout year last year if it hadn't been for Patrick Mahomes. He probably would have been league MVP, probably would have been Super Bowl MVP. He proved anyone who had any doubts about him wrong. And the Eagles have looked to get a deal done, taking advantage in the fact that he still has a year left on his rookie deal. He was due to be paid around about four million this year. Instead, he'll earn more than 30 million this year. The big piece around this In the NFL, there is a salary cap and people may have heard that. So you can't just stockpile players, but there are ways and means to massage the cap. You can't ignore it completely, but you can, if you do signing bonuses and things like that, those don't count towards the cap. Now you need an owner who's willing to pony up the cash because it has to be paid up front. And in fairness to um, Jeffrey Laurie, who owns the Eagles, he has been willing to back Howie. He has been willing to front up the, the cash for Jalen Hurts. And you're talking about Hurts count, will not count more than 40 million against the cap for the next Four years. That's huge. In four years' time, that cap could have gone up by at that point 100 million, 150 million. So his deals at that point will seem minuscule, I would imagine. It's it's a very smart move for the Eagles. It gives them the certainty and it allows Jalen Hurts, a guy who you know was taken off the field at halftime in the national championship game in college and went on supported his teammate to Tungvaloa as they came back to win that that game and he has shown incredible resilience he's well deserving of this contract what other big uh, moves have we seen what what teams do you think what franchises have been making the biggest impact so far I suppose, look, everyone's probably going to look at the the Panthers going up in the, the draft to take that number one piece is, um, I think, the big, big talking point of the off season, And we'll get into the draft in a little bit. The other side of things, since I last talked to Aiden, is the, the free agency moves. And that's where you saw the Denver Broncos, whose owners own Walmart. Uh, they they spent big, a team that has really struggled over the past six years, um, been a playoff drought, second longest playoff drought in the NFL, only to the New York Jets. They went out, spent big on their offensive line. Russell Wilson took a... a career high and league high sack total of 55 sacks last year and um, they spent a lot of money on him they need to ensure that they protect him they've endeavored to do that this um this off season i suppose the other talking point that some um, listeners may be aware of is the aaron Rodgers. i think it's safe to call it a saga at this point rather than a story um he is due to go to the jets if the Packers and the Jets can get a deal done. Uh, by all accounts, over the stories over the past couple of weeks, the deal was done and then Rodgers went and scuppered it by saying that he was 90% retired. Uh, that gave the Jets the yips. They worried about giving up so much compensation for a guy who had one foot in retirement. Would he only play one more year? And apparently that has been the sticking point between them and the Packers trying to figure out 
what exactly what the compensation is going to look like um, for a player who, you know, was back-to-back MVP, but had something of a disappointing season uh, last year. The Jets will hope... I mentioned them earlier, 11 years since they were last in the the playoffs. They have a seriously talented roster. It's QB where they've been struggling. They're hoping that by bringing in Rodgers, they can make it uh, to the dance, as we call it. But they are going to be in a, a tough division, certainly. The other talking point is is a deal that hasn't happened, and that is Lamar Jackson. Because Lamar Jackson is a phenomenal quarterback uh, He's still so young. He's a former league MVP and the Ravens have not been able to get a deal done with him. This is kind of all played out publicly. Um, the When John Harbaugh sat down with the media, just as he was sitting down, Lamar hit send on a tweet, which said that he had requested a trade from the Ravens. That meant that Harbaugh's media meeting was dominated by that. The Ravens have responded, I suppose, trying to woo Lamar. They brought in Odell Beckham, and we know that that is uh, something Lamar wanted. Can they get a deal done? The fact also that nobody else has been willing to pony up the money for Lamar is a talking point in and of itself. And the NFLPA, the Players Association, are making noises around potential collusion. So there's all sorts going on with the Lamar Jackson contract. And will we see him play for the Ravens next season? Yeah, the, the Lamar one's interesting. It's, he's very impatient. You know, it seems if he actually would just wait a couple of years, like you said, the salary cap is going up, isn't it, over the next number of years? I think year on year it's it's increasing. So a bit of patience on his side, like, would see him. And, like, there's jokes being made when the Jalen Hurst contract was announced that Lamar would have probably rejected it, which is probably true because the guy, the guy thinks he should be getting paid a million a minute. I think some of it comes from probably be, seeing what other teams have done with their QBs. He's in a division with the, the Bengals. And in fairness to the Bengals, they got Joe Burrow. They put weapons around Joe Burrow. They went out and got who Joe Burrow wanted in the, the draft. And they have sort of reaped the rewards for that. For Lamar, he went on to be the youngest ever league MVP and the Ravens didn't put any other talent around him. He really hasn't had a lot to work with, especially at wide receiver. And I think maybe that is some of the frustration. I think that's why they've gone out to get Odell. They're trying to, to build bridges. Um, I, I, th- I think it's more than just the, the money for Lamar. But that's what makes it a little bit difficult as well. And that's what means that he is more likely to sit. Like uh, We see a lot of these contract situations play out and guys have to play on the franchise tag most you know most players don't like that but ultimately nine times out of ten they play on it some guys sit um we saw Le'Veon Bell do it previously it's not beyond the realms of possibility I still think it's more likely Lamar plays but it's not beyond the realms of possibility that he could choose to sit out rather than play on the tag I'm sure that'll all be cleared up the next time we speak when we're previewing the the season in in a couple of months' time. Let's look at the draft, of course, on Thursday. Do we have an obvious and standout number one pick this year? Not in comparison to previous years, Aiden. I mean, this is not a Trevor Lawrence-type situation, a Joe Burrow-type situation, an Andrew Luck-type situation. Even next year, next year they're already talking about Caleb Williams um, being the next kind of generational QB, and teams are already making plans, apparently, uh, that they're going uh, to to tank this season uh, to get in the Caleb Williams sweepstakes. So there isn't anybody like that. Every QB at the top of this draft has a knock in one way, shape or form. So if you look at, say, um, Bryce Young is probably has become the consensus number one. But Bryce Young is by by quarterback standards. He is tiny. He's stand somewhere between 5'9 and 5'10 um, he weighs somewhere in the region between 100, 185 to 200 pounds uh, I know at the combine he weighed in at 204 a lot of speculation at the time that he probably had rocks in his pockets um, because that's the heaviest he had ever been that is tiny by uh, QB standards I mean it, it, really, it really is and 
people would wonder whether he would be able to see the middle of the field. Last year, in fairness to Tua, Tua Tungalavailoa has been very open and honest. He talked about a press conference last year. If you, if, if he said to his receivers, if you can't see me, I can't see you. You're behind guys on the O-line who are 6'6", 6'7", 6'8", who are 320, 340, 350 pounds. These are monstrous men. And that is the concern with, with Bryce Young, that he doesn't have the, the size to really translate what he was able to do at the college level into the NFL. We have seen shorter quarterbacks have, um, you know, great careers before. Russell Wilson early on, obviously, with the Seahawks. Drew Brees is another. But if Bryce Young is to do it, it will be somewhat uh, unprecedented. He's a phenomenal talent, no doubt about that. CJ Stroud is the other one that kind of one and two. Um, early on in the draft process, he what he was probably the consensus number one. Over the past couple of weeks, though, a lot of media stories surrounding him. Now, this always happens, Aiden. It's one of the interesting things around the draft is you get this, you get media stories, you get people looking to knock players. Sometimes it's opposing teams who want the player to drop to them because they have a higher grade uh, on him and, and they're hoping that maybe they can scare some other teams. Uh, it, so it's called lying season at this time of year. You don't know how much stock to put in any of that. So those are the two QBs. The previously the kind of premier defensive player was Jalen Carter. Jalen Carter was considered an absolute all-star on defense, but Jalen Carter has had off the field incidents. There was a car accident where people died, um, and obviously that is first and foremost for those that um, passed away and their families. That's the biggest issue, but obviously that impacts on Jalen Carter himself um, and he has to, to deal with that. And he's been going through that. Um, and as a result, he's kind of put ballooned in weight he, at his pro day. He really didn't perform to the level people expected. That has raised questions uh, around him. So ordinarily, those would probably be the, the guys who, you know, would be the, the standards. But there are question marks. Bijan Robinson might be the most talented player in the entire draft, but because he's a running back and that's a position um, that's not so highly valued, people are speculating as to, you know, where exactly will Bijan go. It's amazing like because a couple of seasons ago, like a matter of three or four seasons ago, running backs were, they were liquid gold. Like, you know, you, you couldn't get enough of them. Think of when Saquon was drafted by the Giants, like, and it's amazing how quickly the 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 league has changed, and it's just all about passing. It's all about it's all about passing offense and passing defense. You know, it's it, that's what players are judged on now. Uh, it's funny you mentioned that. I saw a quote from Bryce Hall. Uh, he said, uh, "Some drafts are twenty five foot tall. Some drafts are thirteen foot tall. They're still drafts," which I thought was actually quite funny. Uh, but it's certainly very interesting. Um, who do you expect? What franchise do you think? Are going to are going to have the best draft? Who can you see making the big games of it? I suppose everyone is like. There's been a lot of speculation that the Texans might not take a quarterback at number two. That has been one of the big talking points this week. Now we've been fortunate to have had Ian Rapoport on the show. He doesn't know where that talk is coming from. Uh, we had Connor Rogers on with us from NBC Sports. Uh, he th- he thinks that the Texans absolutely will take it because Nick Casario is not going to get another year if the Texans don't do it. Um, but, you know, is there no smoke without fire? That's certainly one to keep an eye on. The Cardinals are scheduled to pick at number three. Um, will somebody look to take that pick from them by giving them a hole? The player we haven't mentioned at this point is Anthony Richardson. He is a quarterback out of Florida. He's a gifted talent-wise, gifted, but he is very raw. So he, you need to believe that you can coach him up. Um, he probably, you know, if you were just going off of the raw skill set, um, he's the guy you'd go for. But he doesn't have the tape that and hasn't had the success that uh, Bryce Young or CJ Stroud have had. So that that would be the the concern. Also, what are the Raiders going to do at seven? We know the Raiders very often take guys in the first who people didn't have a first round grade on. Some, you know, we, we've seen them do that time and time again. And you, if you look at some of the drafts from kind of 2017, 2018, 2019, 
none of those guys are still on the, the Raiders and that's an area they need to improve on. And everyone, I suppose, is going to look at the Dallas Cowboys and Jerry Jones and think, you know, Bijan, you're, you're saying that the league doesn't value running backs in the same way. You're absolutely right. But one part, one guy values them above all else, and that is Jerry Jones, the owner of the Dallas Cowboys. And if Bijan Robinson is there uh, when the Cowboys are, are drafting, I don't think Jerry could help himself. And if Jerry feels that Bijan might be gone, don't put it beyond Jerry Jones to go up and draft a running back. When the So when the entire league is saying, you know, it's running back by committee and the offensive line is going to be the most important piece, Jerry likes to think differently. Also, tight ends have come back into fashion because of that protection they can give and obviously an outlet as well on passing offense. And is it Darnell, is Darnell Washington the guy who literally seemed to just shove, uh, by the, the kind of tackle bag? What did you know? The, that, that yoke that they shove back in anyway, they, they showed a lot of tight ends pumping and pushing legs and Darnell Washington literally just went at that with his hand and pushed it back. Like the guy looks like an absolute monster. Yeah, it is It is a tight end class that's getting an awful lot of attention because over the past couple of years, tight end classes have maybe had one or two guys, um, but you pro- um, but nobody who's, who's... Kyle Pitts was supposed to be the standout. He, it hasn't really happened for Kyle Pitts as yet. It's one of the positions that um, probably alongside quarterback where it's really difficult to know how they're going to transition into the league. Um, probably um, it's because you're you're required to do so much as a tight end. You you have to block um, and you have to to catch. You have to find space. Uh, there's there's so much to it, and we've seen guys who maybe kind of underperformed in college, but have gone on to have really successful NFL careers at the position. Um, Michael Mayer is the other name that people might want to keep an eye on there. He's out in Notre Dame and he could potentially go in the, uh, in the first round as well. He's another guy who, you know, there have been some stories around and he's dropped down draft boards a, a little bit, which is surprising. Again, is that people looking to, you know, get get him there? Because if you look at the two teams who made the Super Bowl uh, last year, Aiden, again, you're talking the Chiefs and the Eagles, both of those had that superstar tight end. They make such a difference, especially when you're in the red zone, to give you a target to catch the ball um, in the, the end zone. That's why they're so important. Um, and I think... I think this year will be really interesting to see, you know, how many of them might go in the first round. Absolutely. Well, look, it's uh, like you said, if, if ever you want to start getting into the NFL, the draft is a good way to start it off because uh, it's 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 a long old off season and the draft kind of can break it up a small bit. Also, if you want to learn just the inner workings of the draft, Draft Day with Kevin Costner is actually a really good film on learning how the draft works. It's it's before I ever watched the draft, I actually watched that film. It's really, really good. Gets into, like you said, all of that stuff about lying season, putting out stories about players, putting teams off of players. It's a great drama. And we mentioned this last year as well. You'll see all those great shots of guys who go to the draft itself, guys who stay back in, in the living room with their family. There'll be cameras there. And the, uh, the human element and that emotion element is, is massive. And obviously it's America. So they like to dramatize things, don't they? Yeah, absolutely. You know, they, you'll hear all the stories. As soon as the guy is drafted, you'll get all the backstory. Uh, there'll be the adversity that he overcame, whatever that particular challenge was. Um, the thing about it as well, though, Aiden, is that, um, what you'll find, right? The draft is taking place on Thursday night on Friday. All the teams who drafted, it'll be exactly the guy they wanted. They can't believe he was available when they were on the board. And they're so excited about the career that he is going to have. What I would say to to people is it's realistically, it's four years time when we will really know, Um, you know, like, yeah, of course, there'll be some standouts. um, But ultimately, when you're assessing an overall draft class, it's four years later when guys are coming to the end of those rookie contracts that you really know whether they're actually made a contribution to their team, whether they're getting a second deal, because for an awful lot of these guys, you know, they will get drafted, but they may not get a second deal. 
Absolutely. Well, uh, like like I said, we'll know the exact shake up, shake up of it all when we're doing our preview for the season in a couple of months' time. Colm Cronin of the Irish NFL Show. Thanks a minute for joining us on the Bigger Bench. Always a pleasure to talk to you. Yeah, great to catch up with Colm once again. It's gone into the second period of extra time at Wembley. It's Brighton nil, Manchester United nil in the FA Cup semi-final. And uh, as previously stated, the Heineken Kinsale Sevens are back. And Rory has been speaking to director Tomas O'Brien all about two days, uh, the two days, uh, the two day event that will be happening hopefully in a sunny Kinsale. All right, one of the biggest sevens tournaments in Europe returns next week. Kinsale Sevens is back after an absence of three years. Delighted to be joined on the line by tournament director Tomas O'Brien to talk about the event. And Tomas, how good does that sound? After three years, the Sevens is back. Uh, we're delighted to be back. It's been a long time. Um, the world has changed totally post-COVID. Um, we're thrilled to be back and we're delighted that um, so many people get an opportunity to come for the first time. There's a lot of 18, 19 and 20 year olds who've never been, so now they can come. Uh, we have over 40 teams, so we're excited by that. And I think we've remembered everything and all the pieces are being put into place and the marquees are going up this week. And what have been, I suppose, the biggest challenges, I suppose, in getting the tournament back up and running after a, a, a three-year absence due to COVID? Well, the first problem with everything is cost. Uh, costs have gone away up. Uh, we have to, had to be very careful in booking items and ordering items and purchasing things. Um, it's it's a very expensive environment to be in now. Uh, we're delighted that all our normal suppliers are still in business and can help. And they're always wonderful. We're lucky to have them and we work very well together. Um, other challenges are getting teams back. We've had 60 and 70 teams and over in the past. This year we're over 40, but we're delighted with that because it's our first year back after a three-year absence and it's just good to get up and running again and see how we're going. And just how frustrating was it, Tomás, I suppose, when the years were ticking by in 2020, 2021, 22, that you, yeah, you couldn't run the tournament? Yeah, well, we um, it was very frustrating initially, but we took the call early after Christmas the first time we had to cancel uh, before we had ordered anything or whatever and then it's frustrating for a couple of weeks and then you put it out of your head and then the May Bank holiday weekend comes and you're twitching and jumping around the place wondering what, what am I doing today or should we be doing something else and then the following year it was the same and the third year it was pure safety and just in case we were going to be one of the first festivals back as we always are at the early parts of the year the May Bank holiday weekend every year so we didn't be the one to didn't want to be the one to spread COVID again you know yeah, it was just too much of a risk last year, really, wasn't it? Absolutely, yeah. Way too much, Rory. Way too much. So, as you mentioned, tomorrow's 40 teams this year. I imagine they're coming from all over Ireland, all over the UK, and I suppose even further afield as well. Yeah, Rory, they're from all over, as usual. Uh, we're, well, the players are global, really. You'd have Kiwis and Australians, South Africans, Italians and everything playing in different elite teams. But this year, we have teams coming from Saratoga in the US. We have two... French teams, which we're delighted to welcome. And as you said, we have teams from Ireland, England, Scotland, Wales. And uh, we're delighted to welcome all of them. The elite section is looking very hot again. We've got eight teams in there and they'll be vying for the top prize. And uh, actually, it's most of the teams have been here before. And they're, I suppose it's a great vote of confidence in us that they're coming back again to compete, to win that prestigious title. And we have ladies and a social side as well this year. What is it, Tomás, that you think that makes the Sevens such a, I suppose, a, a special tournament? Well, firstly, I think Kinsale is a beautiful place. You have this gorgeous seaside town in centre of, in the beginning of West Cork on the Wild Atlantic Way. It's a beautiful place to come to. It's a small club. It's a junior club. People are friendly. It's run by volunteers. And I think that's a huge thing. Volunteers are always vibrant and happy and they go about their work and they do their either 12-hour shifts or 24-hour volunteers hours over the weekend are three or four whatever people can do and I think when people find out especially our visitors that you're dealing with a volunteer they're always delighted to talk to them they talk about rugby and they get tips as well for when a lot of our players come back with their families later on in the year and in future and then and then go on to do bigger rugby tours around Ireland you know so it's just a special place yeah it certainly is and just a buzz around the town as well that weekend is magic Moss. Exactly. And, and I mean, if you're staying in town over the weekend, you literally can't get lost. It's a small medieval town. The streets are narrow. <laughs> you know, people will tell you where, where to go if you're stuck or whatever. And sure, with technology, no, I don't think anyone gets lost. 
This week, Tomas, you've been putting up signs around Kinsale to remind people that Kinsale is a, a very special place, advising people not to get involved in disorderly conduct. How important is it, Tomas, to get the message out there for everyone, I suppose, to be on best behaviour across the weekend? Well, Rory, we've always encouraged that. That's why everyone at the, at the event has got a wristband, and that's a, a, a way of us tracking them, you know, if they do misbehave or whatever, and it's an aid to the Gardaí if they are out of line downtown later on or whatever. Um, it's very important because, like, we we run a fun tournament. It's a rugby festival, and it promotes camaraderie between clubs locally and around the world. And that's what we want, you know, and it's run by volunteers and we get funding out of this great event to run our club, to build our fine facilities, which we're always adding to and maintaining. And we have other plans for other bits down the road. But it's a very important thing to us that everybody behaves themselves properly. And I suppose with a, an event this size, you're always going to get a bit of hassle here and there. But it's just about minimising that over the weekend, I suppose, Tomás. Exactly. And once you can minimise it and have the resources in place, we work very closely with the Gardaí local business and council and everything. So I think a lot of our team have been meeting with all of these other bodies in town to make sure that everything's in place. The Irish Guide Dogs for the Blinds Tomas, this year's charity partner. How important was it to get them on board this year? I think it's very important because the Kinsale branch of it have just started. Uh, I think this is their first opportunity at a major fundraiser. And uh, we're delighted seeing as they're new and they approached us early on. So we're, we always partner with someone. And I th- everybody knows the guide dogs are a great charity. So we're delighted to be associated with them. And we hope that people are generous towards them over the weekend. Tickets available on Kinsale7s.com. Obviously, tomorrow you're encouraging as many people, I suppose, to get down and enjoy the atmosphere over the weekend. Exactly. It's a fabulous atmosphere and we're hopeful for good weather. And once we get all those, all the ingredients come together, once the whistle is gone, the rugby's on, the crack is there and it'll be a bumper weekend for Kinsale. Magic stuff, Tomás. Thanks for talking to us on The Big Red Bench today. Cheers, Rory. Take care. The Big Red Bench. Saturday and Sunday from 6pm. Cork's Red FM.